Welcome to Clarity Connects, where we talk about the human essence in brands, from branding, marketing, and business. I am your host, Tusef Mirza. Fundamentally, brands are created by human beings and for human beings. So understanding human attributes and having clarity on what genuinely connects with people is crucial. On this podcast, we will cover topics ranging from personal branding, corporate branding, leadership, team building, and marketing, all from a human perspective. We will also give ourselves the space for contemplation and explore ways to gain profitability while doing good simultaneously. Thank you for joining me. And now let's explore how Clarity connects for creating true impact. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Clarity Connects podcast. Today, we are talking about the soul of creativity and how to lead a team to do great and meaningful work in this pivotal 2020 year with the Black Lives Movement with my special guest, Shannon Washington. Shannon is the Group Executive Creative Director at RGA, which is one of the top interactive agencies in the business. She leads creative teams with her full and fabulous self, and she has worked on renowned brands such as Google, ESPN, H&R Block, and Apple TV. Welcome to the show, Shannon. Hi, how are you? Good. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm so excited to have to have you on the show. Um, the first time that I saw you was actually about two years ago at the Three Percent Conference, and um, you were talking about creativity with three other Black and Brown women on a, on a panel discussion. And I remember when I was listening to the talk, I was so drawn by all of you and it was just such an open conversation and it was a smart conversation and it was raw and soulful and it was something that I had never really experienced before and I kept asking to myself why is this so different because God knows I've been to tons of conferences and I know when I feel different and um, then it just hit me it's because I had never seen before four black and brown women on a stage talking about creativity. I always go back to that, that representation is, is so important and that sometimes it's only once we see something or hear something that's different that we realize that we've never seen it before. So right. thank you for that talk because I think that's when people's eyes open up and they realize that when you do have different people um, that you do have different ideas and that's why you feel differently. Right. Yeah. Thanks to Kat Gordon for, um, for allowing us to make that space too, for sure. Absolutely. So just for those of you who don't know what the 3% conference is, it's, it's an event that's done yearly by the amazing Kat Gordon and she launched it in 2012. And the reason why she launched it is because at that year, 2012, there was only, 3% of um, creative directors in the U.S. and agencies that were women, which is insane when you think about it, that that was just eight years ago. And since then, I think the number has increased to 29%, okay. which, is, which is great. We still have a lot of work to do, but this is thanks a lot to Kat Gordon and, and her team. Um, sure. to, to that effect, I'm sure that, uh, Shannon, you being a, a Black woman, 
uh, that number of black and brown women as creative directors is obviously much lower, right? It's probably at 3%. 3%? Oh, boy. So you should start your own 3% conference that way. Yeah. It's, it's 3% conference uh, for black and brown women is probably still very much correct in nomenclature. Wow. So do you, do you feel that it has... So it hasn't budged at all for your experience since the past few years or a little bit? I do believe that it's risen. I just don't know if by that much there, there's overall like a very, a very um, large yet very, very rarely talked about seniority gap mm -hmm. um, when it comes to uh, creative agencies and, and I say agencies in particular um when it comes to black black female especially um representation at senior levels currently we are taping this episode in september of 2020 and it's been quite an intense and crucial year when it comes to racial injustice um in general is it fueling your fire this year or is it becoming to a point where it's exhausting Um, it's a little bit of everything. Some days, um, I, I can't, I can't do anything. I can't focus. Um, uh, or some moments I find myself very kind of like allowing myself to feel. Mm -hmm. Um, however, this, this year, I think there's a crescendo of this year of, of, of emotions, of actions, of reactions that, um, I have been experiencing, and I believe my people have been experiencing um, for most of their lives, to be quite honest. I think this year we saw a culmination of a few things. Um, more Black people at various levels and in various disciplines in the industry. Um, a very brand-led response or socially-led response. Our, let me let me back up. A very people-led response from an activism level, from a street level, from a community level, which then sparked brands, um, which then sparked agencies, which then sparked the people who run those agencies. I'm really proud of what I consider to be the next generation of creative leaders, especially Black creative leaders, for kind of like putting the spark in all of us because people, you know, in my age bracket and above and those levels of seniority and just age, I think we had become perhaps not numb, um, but it is, it is a part of our lives. It's just been a part of our lives for so long. Mm -hmm. um, and an action has been a part of our lives for so long that uh, it woke us all up like, you know, the, the, the youth, <laughs> I consider myself to be young. So I'm going to say the younger youth, mm -hmm. um, woke us all up in a way. And so some days I'm like, I'm about it. <laughs> some days I want to curl up in a ball. Um, mm -hmm. but I also realize that the work that I'm doing now, um, is, is indicative of the work that has done, that has been done before me. Um, And I want to make sure that I'm able to create better spaces for the people who come after me. You know, what's interesting uh, of what you're saying, that it got reinvigorated by the people, 
So it's really sort of like a bottom up effect, oh, sure. right? That, that, that happened culture, this year. Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of times in the past, when you don't have that much force and urgency behind the people, it can be more sort of like a top down where brands just want to say what they want to say. They're trying to make a connection, but they're trying to put their message first and then trying to appease from a culture perspective. But this year, like you pretty much don't have a choice or else it doesn't mean anything. In terms of, um, so let's just talk a little bit more about the role of, of creativity in advertising. Do you feel that it has a greater role right now in terms of um, conversations about racism and, and justice? Do I think that advertising has a role in this conversation? Um, yes, but I wouldn't be so pointed through racism and injustice. Okay. Um, I think we have a role of truth, you know, more than anything to reflect the world that we live in and that we move in and the spaces that we are. And some of those spaces are racist. And so I don't know if there's a role that we play directly. I think indirectly we play an incredible role in the what what do we what do we demonstrate as normal? What is the norm? in this world and how we should treat people, how we talk, how we relate to one another, um, who we talk to as marketers for our brands, our, uh, via the brand. I think we have a role in how we frame it. You mm -hmm. know, like, I don't believe advertising changes culture. I believe that advertising frames culture um, mm -hmm. because we can't really change culture or make culture if you really think about it. So I think that it, I would apply the same type of thinking so when it comes to social justice, we can frame it, we can, we can contextualize it, we can make it real. So we can accentuate it, we can bring it more to the forefront. Uh, yeah, I think we can bring it more to the forefront, we can start conversations, we can recontextualize, you know, maybe some of the, the, the drivers that fuel a person's personal racism or a person's personal bias and things of that nature. So let's shift gears. Could you describe a little bit what is your role as group creative executive director at RGA? That is such a title. Um, I essentially run a group with a fabulous genius by the name of Aaron Lynch. Um, we run um, what we call Group One, our group W-O-N, pun intended. This is inside RGA banter for anyone listening. Um, what that means, I, I mean, ideally, I am I am the I'm one half of creative leadership for close to about fifty creatives in all different types of disciplines, um, from more marketing or campaign thinking to you know um, more experience level thinking. Um, uh, creative technology. I don't, sadly, <laughs> I don't do that much work um, in the more of the making things versus facilitating the best possible environment for my team mm. to make things and building stronger connections with our clients so we have more trust and we can take more risks and things of that nature. And I got to say, it's hard not to jump in. I miss being an art and copy person, but um I really love it because it gives me an opportunity to really 
experience different ways of thinking, some that are similar to my own, some that are not. When you say experience different ways of thinking, just in terms of how to put things together or how to make things work? Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, it's when I, when I get to work with, say, an experienced strategist or um, an experienced designer versus a copywriter um, or an art director, like everyone has their own way of thinking. But even within that, you know, I have my own way of approaching the creative process, but watching other people's and learning other people's, um, I think it's kind of like what no one tells you about being, you know, at this level of creative leadership, which is you will come in contact with so many things that confront what you thought was right. Um, and you have to learn from it. And if it works for that person and if it works for the business and if it works for the culture, that's another way in too. So um, it's, it's kind of like going to school in a really interesting way. Like just sitting back and being like, Oh shit, I never, I never even would have thought about it like that. Or, you know, like, what? I didn't even know that existed. And, and being vulnerable enough to, to say that to them, because I, it, it definitely helps them understand that they're the binaries that um, unfortunately I believe are still taught in this industry of like what a creative is and quote unquote, big air quotes there, um, don't exist. They don't exist at all. And um, watching them work together and react together and problem solve together is probably one of the best things about what I do. So this shows a little bit the way that you lead teams. And, and I guess you have to have a certain level of humility right? To realize that it's not like my way or the highway, the way you're explaining it is you're giving space for each individual to be who they are and create the way that they want to create. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Cause I don't know everything. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't, if I did, I would be working at, I wouldn't be working at Robert Greenberg Associates. I'd be working at Shannon Lash. I'd be working at SWA, you know, like, and that's, that's just kind of the beauty of what we do. But I think what happens is now, let me just keep it, keep in mind, do I have the final word? I guess I have the final word. Someone has to have the final word, right? Um, however, what I won't do is say my way is the way to do it. That's impossible. Um, and not only because, you know, I don't quote unquote have all the answers, um, for certain things that we do for certain communities, I may not also have the visceral insights, the natural insights that, some people on my team may have, depending on the project. I may not be looking at things from their perspective because I haven't lived their life in a, in a sense. And I'm, I'm a big fan of, and, and my team knows this, I'm like, approach it from all the different angles. Like, think about it through the lens of your client, think about it through the lens of your audience, but like, what would it mean? You know, put yourself, try to put yourself in various shoes and kind of interrogate it from all different angles to make it kind of bulletproof, you know? that exercise in itself negates any, any expectation of your way being right. Because what you're doing is challenging even your own assumptions walking into a project. And so it's, it's definitely humility, but quite honestly, I think it's just more intelligent. I think it's just more, you know, humane, if you will, like, yes, it's, 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 
I don't, I don't, I wouldn't even call it humility to be quite honest, because it means that like I'm taking something down from myself in order to bring it out. What I'm doing is just a really heightened level of what I call what I would think is just a better creative process, which is okay, let's look at it from all these angles. Let's put ourselves in various shoes. And then my role as a creative leader is helping them sharpen what it is that they're doing and being very critical and challenging them. Like, okay, well, think about it like this. Okay, the simpler way to do that would be X, 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 because I can talk about that from experience. What I can't do is change their natural approach because a lot of that comes out of your personality. A lot of that comes out of your upbringing. What I can do, however, I can I can heighten it. I can make it more responsible. I can I can make it more I can make it sharper. I can make it more effective. So I was a copywriter for about six years, and when I would work with the art director, um, we realized that the best work was always when, yes, my main focus was copy and messaging, and his main focus was aesthetics and visual. But I would give my two cents all the time about, you know, well, what about this? Did you throw? And then he would say the same thing, or she would say the same thing about, you know, like, what if we say it this way? And there was no ego involved. It was just about, you know, what what's the best work? Like, how are we going to come to the best work? And that's been the best partnerships, hands down, not just being just copy sure. person and art person. And that's how you end up, quite honestly, like, you know, you have ECDs, you have CDs who kind of start, they just naturally start to become hybrids in a way, because whereas one thing might be your, your, your discipline and you have an expertise about it, you know, like I was an art director who became a copywriter because I worked very closely with copywriters and I started to realize what was right. It just so happened that while I was working as an art director, I was also writing in another, in another industry, in another capacity. But it's 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 helpful when you have a relationship like that where you have space to comment on something um, and to get feedback from that, too, because it could come from anybody. It really, really can come from anybody like that spark, that nugget when everyone just stops and looks at each other like that's it. And so you have to kind of like let go of these these roles, if you will. Well, let me not let me not say let go of them. You can't hold on to them so tightly. So when you do bring a new person to your creative team, are there certain key elements that you're really looking for and say, oh, you know, that person from a creative perspective, I want them to be part of my team? Let me see. A special something. Um, A good sense of self-awareness, I think is key to a lot. Um, Recognizing, you know, what you bring to the table, recognizing what you don't. Being aware of how you relate to other people, how you relate to clients. Um, It's a hard muscle to learn. I know for a fact, if anyone listening to this knew me 20 years ago, they are rolling, or not even 15, 10 years ago, they were rolling their eyes and laughing like Shannon just said self-awareness because I had none (laughs) for a long time. Um, Yeah, like I think that's one of the key things that I look for is this person very comfortable or are they learning? You know, they don't have to be comfortable, but are they learning to be comfortable with who they are? Because then a lot of what I'm talking about, a lot of the other things, you know, the more talent-based things, um, the more, you know, team-building-based things are just easier because you understand the role that you have in that process. Getting someone to get a sense of self-awareness 
is hard. And so I'd rather, you know, have that a bit more developed than anything. So as long as there is at least a kernel of that, that it can be cultivated. Yeah. 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 If it could be cultivated, if there's a willingness to grow and just kind of learn that, because, you know, unfortunately, many of us don't know when, when we say the wrong thing or when we're being a bit more myopic or, you know, when we hurt people or when we're being effective, even, you know, self-awareness is all always tends to come up through a lens of what you're doing wrong, but also low self-awareness stops you, stops you from seeing what you're doing right. Um, as well. And so that's really important because you could be doubting yourself in an area where you don't necessarily need to, you know? Um, And so being able to kind of like really see things from multiple angles around, you know, every, every, every action that you take, every word that comes out of your mouth, I think is really important, especially um, if the person that I'm looking at is for more of a leadership position, for sure. You know, I um, I teach at NYU. I teach personal branding, and that's one of the first courses that I tackle is self awareness. And there's a lot of people when they hear self awareness, it can mean spirituality, right? Like that that word can mean that expression can mean a lot of different things to different people. And I think mm-hmm. that it's to have to give them permission to say it's okay to say I'm really good at this and it's okay to say well yeah. I'm actually not good at that there's nothing wrong with realizing to understanding who you are it, you're not putting yeah. yourself down or being arrogant this is just understanding who you are and so I think once you start presenting it that way people become more comfortable of um, of looking at themselves and and being honest with themselves really for sure for sure if we then switch over a little bit from the the team dynamics to your clients that you work with this year, are you having different types of conversations with them versus the previous years? And how are they feeling? Are they feeling kind of overwhelmed in terms of what to do with their brands? Or are they scared? Or are they excited because they can pivot and try new things? I'm really proud of my clients. Like I've seen a confidence because there is a real honest earnest to help. Um, there is a, a, a really human-led effort to be responsible. Um, I've seen a lot more self-checking um, before we even get to the brief um, in terms of you know, partnership and is this right? Should we be doing this right now? I think everyone's been trying to avoid you know, backlashes and stuff like the that. backlash. Yeah. Backlash, but also performative actions. You know, we've had a lot of conversations lately about, you know, what's performative versus what is useful, what is effective um, is posting a black square performative. If you do nothing else, absolutely. Um, we've, we've been having lots of conversations of what does it mean to be too fast? You know, in the sense of, have you really thought something out? Is it just for show? I think what this whole conversation that we're having as a country, as a world, if you think about it right now, has forced us all to do as client and creative partners is to make sure, is to double check, like, are we doing that because we have to, or are we doing it because we want to? I know that RGA is involved in allyship um, mm-hmm. in terms of supporting communities. So can you say a little bit, because I find allyship is a word that people use without necessarily fully understanding what it means. Could you describe what allyship means for you? For me, allyship is is really 
a state, it's a state of consistent vulnerability, but there's an excitement about it, you know? Um, it's a state of learning and choosing to be an ally because it is a choice. I find it to be quite fun because I'm also extremely nosy as a person. I'm the person who's asking you a million questions about yourself, but even allyship has taught me how to ask better questions, how to ask more thoughtful questions. Um, it's not being a friend though. And I think that that's what a lot of people think it is. It's, it's, it's really being, you know, someone who is aware of uh, a state of a state of being, a state of a state of living that is unlike your own. And when confronted with opportunities to advocate for, you're willing to do that as well. Um, when confronted with mistakes that you've made about this group, or things that you've said, or assumptions that you've had, you're willing to listen and reframe how you relate to that particular group, right? I think it's it's really like a state of awareness, as I talked about, like self-awareness. It's another state of awareness of, of having that that can only make you a better person. And so when we say being an ally for a group, just to be clear, we're talking about marginalized groups, right? We're talking about somebody or a group that is not your identity, for example, and you potentially yes. have um, privilege over and that you are deciding to stand by, um, mentor, support, and so forth, and not just being sure. a friend. Yep. The reason why I said that, because a lot of people will say like, oh, I have a black friend, I'm an ally. And I'm like, no, you have a black friend. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you're not necessarily an ally. Right. So in the workplace, how does allyship play out? Like at, at RGA, for example? Um, well, I mean, from an organized standpoint, there's definitely some investment and some work, a lot of work that has been done um, around allyship, allyship training, um, conversations about allyship, how to be a better ally, um, but also making sure that it's super effective and it's not just a checklist of like, it's not go read white fragility or something like that. Um, but I think a lot of the conversations that we've been having right now around allyship are really reflective of a lot of the conversations that we're having at higher levels, which is how do we make a more equitable place for people um, and making sure that, you know, everyone has a quote unquote seat at the table um, whatever table that may be. And so the biggest part of that is learning what an ally is and what an ally isn't. And that's happening um, because there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions there. And I love it because everyone just brings that to the table and it's created a really beautiful living conversation around how can we be better and how can we, how can we relate to each other better? Like, I've been, I've said this before, like I've admitted, like, but I want to make sure that I'm not being ableist in terms of like how I'm looking at work. And so like, that's, you know, if I had to think about like, what's my allyship track, more than likely it's going to start there first in terms of like, when it comes to casting, when it comes to how we think about an audience, when it comes to, you know, learning around, you know, invisible, invisible abilities and disabilities and the like, um, so it's been good because it forces you to kind of, it's been forcing all of us, I think, to kind of confront some things 
um, that we need to work on at all levels. I absolutely love what you said and the work that's happening at RGA and being so hands-on and not just, you know, just not like a manual or a program that you'd need to go through online and check and you're done, but that it's actually dynamic and that you're working through this stuff. There's one part of allyship, which is really about uplifting marginalized communities from a human rights perspective, so that everybody, the equity that you're talking about, obviously just from that perspective, it's important to do. And then also what you get out of that is if those marginalized communities, the people from those marginalized communities, they will feel comfortable in that environment because they have allies, therefore they can be more themselves. If they can be more themselves, then they can tap more into their ideas and their creative different experiences, and they're not afraid to share them. And at the end of the day, that also helps the bottom line also, because we're all looking for... Right? Better ideas, creative ideas. So it's like a win-win for like everybody in this situation. It, it is. It just, you just have to get, you have to learn, how do I say this? It is a win-win. I think the thing that stops us from that win-win is the idea that you have to be confronted. The mm -hmm. idea that, that you have to confront the notion that you don't have all the answers and you don't know things, you don't know everything. And maybe the way that you were taught or the way that you've always done something was wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and be willing to be like, shit, that was racist. I didn't even know that. Or like, that was ableist. Or that was, you know, uh, homophobic, you know, or transphobic. And have a moment, like, I always relate to myself in humor, like, oh, God, that was horrible. I was a horrible person. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it with truth in a sense, but for some people that's hard it confronts like those truths that you grew up with and you know maybe it's not that true mm -hmm. and so you just have to be just just trust the process just trust the process and you know that's what systemic means right that it's so prevalent around us that we can't even see it and that goes back to what you were saying at the beginning of being self-aware one question that i wanted to ask you um Obviously, I've been following you ever since I, I saw you at the two years ago. Um, and in all of your social medias, one of the things that you start by describing yourself is that you are a culturist. What does that mean for you being a culturist? A culturist. A culturist for me is someone who really, really can put themselves in multiple communities, especially um, our multiple multiple streams. Let's call it that. That's the only, the best way that I can, I can think about it. Like streams of thinking, streams of thought, streams of making those things that eventually start to impact culture or reframe culture. I like to think as a culturist, as someone who can see those and who can let them happen and can observe them and help contextualize them at a more macro level and relate them to where we are today, but have the wherewithal to go back into all of the references, right? From where they come from and understand what those connections are. And because it's fun, it's fun watching, it's fun watching a meme develop, you know, and understanding where quote unquote that meme comes from, like having the wherewithal to kind of understand like the reference points. And then like, this is personally for me, 
having fun understanding where those reference points kind of come from. Um, oh, wow, there are wild turkeys in my backyard right now. That's why everyone <laughs> in my house is going crazy. Whoa. <laughs> but it's, it's um, but that's, that's what it is. And that's, I think that's like the fun part of what we do. Um, and I think when you can bring that back and help, especially contextualize it for a brand and help them understand like, if, you know, on social media, they're going to use a term like it's the X for me, which is something which is social vernacular that that's happening right now. It helps you. It helps them better contextualize even where that comes from, what community that that comes from. And so if you're able to really, really understand the web, if you will, right, of where that all how that all happens, you can bring it forth in a way that is way more authentic. And you can also help, you know, your creatives and your clients make better decisions. I think the layman's term of it is really understanding what's happening in a social context and being able to contextualize it in a business context. Mm, okay. There's one thing I had to mention because this quote that you said two years ago has always stayed with me. Um, it was when you were talking about creatives and that one thing that's really important in terms of creatives is that we need a life. And every idea that we have is a, is a piece of our soul. And I never really thought of it that way. And um, being a creative myself for now, I'm, I'm more in brand strategy, but you know, the creative part is always in me. Um, I think in, in, in the past, a lot of times we don't realize just how much having a life, quote unquote, is sort of like the juices of the the creative that come out of us. Um, but how would you, when you said that, was there another perspective that you were thinking? Um, the only thing that I would add to that, honestly, is it's really from the perspective of, if you think about what we get paid to do, right, at a very basic level, we weaponize our imagination to sell things are to influence people, right? That's kind of what we do. And one of, the one of the reasons why not everyone can do this is your imagination does come from, you know, it comes from your, your soul, your being, you know, your brain, of course, is what you can imagine, but what you can imagine is only a scale of like who you are and like what you're exposed to and everything. And, there is a magic when you, when, you know, when the hair rises on your arms, when you know you have an idea or you've said something and you're like, fuck, that's great, right? And so when you bring that to me or to another, you know, CD or some, or even a person, and they're like, ah, I don't know about that. You take it personal because I'm not only saying like this idea, you know, maybe doesn't work, um, I'm also kind of touching on those levers, those soul levers that come from it. And that's what makes this, this, what we do, it can be so emotionally and mentally exhausting and taxing because we talk about bring yourself to work or whatnot. I may not bring a hundred percent of Shannon every day, but when I'm participating in a brainstorm, I'm, I'm talking with my team about, you know, how to increase productivity without losing humanity and things like that. And I'm, or any type of conversation, everything that I'm contributing to that not only comes from my experience, it comes, it comes from my being. 
the reason even why I lead in the way that I do, and it's and it's been very effective so far, is it's it's instincts. It's 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 coming from like the life that I've lived, and that all that's all in your soul place. If you think about it, if you want to get like really really, you know, high level and and spiritual about it, it all comes from the same place. It all comes from that ball of fire, you know, and so up to leaders to be careful with that and it's also up to you to be to know like when it's real and when it's not when to take it personal and when not to Mm -hmm. you know um and I think if we thought about things like that a bit more perhaps we could be better to each other in this industry yeah I love what you said I think you're absolutely right that there's it's so precious right it's like our it's like our life force for me, sometimes I feel like I'm naked, right? I'm completely exposed. And then you're bracing yourself and you're just like, all right, here we go. Either it's going to work or it's not going to work. But it is a very compromising situation sometimes. But oh, for sure. And to be honest, I absolutely agree with you. It's not even just creatives. Because I think like I don't and I say this as a creative, you have to be careful not to like exalt creatives to a level of like, walking walking deities or whatnot but that magic is in all of us that magic is in producers it's in strategists it's in you know business development people account people um that innateness that that instinct like i said like it all does come from the same place and so recognizing that and knowing how to not only use it but respond to it that's just you know just being a better people Really? Yeah. Love that. I need to remember what I just said. Well, luckily this is a podcast. This is recorded, so yeah. we'll go back to it. <laughs> so um, there's one last question that I always ask all of my guests, since this is the Clarity Connects podcast. I wanted to ask you, is there a clarity moment that you would like to share with us? Either it could be related to what we talked about, it could be something professional or personal, whatever you would like to share. Clarity moment. I think the the biggest moment of clarity I've had this year is recognizing that I cannot and probably should not be at the forefront of conversations in terms of inclusion, race, and gender in our industry right now. And the reason why I say that, and I know that might surprise some people, is because I'm experiencing this at a different level. And I think, yes, Black women in leadership, I think that's a conversation that needs to be had 100%. Here for it. Sign me up. But I think at a larger conversation in our industry, when it comes to Black and brown people, Black people especially, young Black women especially, I've turned down offers to speak about that and suggested and, and, and in turn like young black women to be a part of that conversation. Women who are just starting out, women who are at the midpoint of their careers um, because there is a level of fire there and optimism and, and sensibility, right? I, I, I joke around that I'm the old woman at the club, but um I am in some instances, you know, and I, I, I find myself relating to things differently, not only because I've experienced them, I experienced them in a different time, in a different context, and I don't want to cloud the conversation. 
And I think that that was a big moment of clarity that I had in terms of like, y'all checked us. <laughs> y'all really checked us. And I need, I quote, I definitely needed to be checked. That's awesome. Like you're, you, you have the baton, but you're giving the baton at the same time and, and you have tremendous energy. So I know people still feed off of your energy and, and what you represent as well, but that you're willing to have a bigger community and not just. Yeah. Cause it, it because it, it shouldn't like, just to be clear, it should not just be me. Mm-hmm. Like there are some people who would look at being an only as a method of like power are saying, I'm going to represent the conversation and I'm going to you know, have a sense of notoriety or create a sense of notoriety or something like that. And so in order for it to not just be me making space for other women and creating ways for them to gain more exposure and things of that nature, it's just one way that there's not going to just be me. It can't be me in five years. It can't be me in 10 years. If it's at the space where it's like me, Piper, Vita, and whoever else I can name in the next five years, we have not done anything. I feel like we need more voices that are living it fully people won't say certain things to me right now you know that title that title changes people in a little bit and i recognize that so i'm like no bring bring more of the truth tellers out Mm -hmm. i'll help them in the background right but like those are the stars they're the stars i'm just the land thank you so much shannon for this conversation and just being so open. And I don't think we have enough conversations about creativity in the way that we've had. And I think it's really important for people to feel good about themselves so they can be better creators. And then you're also moving the bottom line. And thank you so much for the listeners for being part of the show. And we will talk to you soon. A bientôt. Yes. Thank you. Thank you.